Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You will think greatness in terms of status and position and money. You'll go and somebody will be after your job and you go, man, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you before you get me. I'm not going to allow that to happen. But Jesus says, do unto others as you want done to you. Well, wait a minute, that's different. That's all right. Let him be first. Because if you're last, that means you're first in the kingdom. Well, I don't think I like that. Doesn't matter whether you like it or not. That's the way the kingdom works. In the book of James, it states, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then in the book of Proverbs, we learn that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Better be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You see, pride isn't a good thing, especially when that pride is in ourselves. First and foremost, we have to understand that we are nothing without God. He is our creator. And it's by his grace that we're made able to utilize the gifts and talents we've been given. We have no business accepting the glory for what he is doing in our lives. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. But first, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 33, with part one of our message entitled, Walk Humbly with God. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 33. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, Jesus, what were you arguing about on the road? You remember Jesus and the disciples, they were now making their way back to Capernaum, Peter's house probably, and evidently Jesus was walking by himself, and the disciples were a 12 of them in their own little group. What was Jesus thinking about as he was walking? Well, I'm sure he was addressing the cross that was coming up. This is about the third year of his ministry, and he's quickly headed to the cross. So I think this says one thing to us. When you have your quiet time in the morning, a few days a week or whatever, don't limit your intimacy with God to those 15 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes or whatever it is. You see, God wants to speak to you all day long. Not weird, like we said, you know, ooh, wait a minute, God's speaking to me. He he just wants to have a conversation with you, and he'll impress you and give you a note, and certainly maybe even something about your car or whatever. Who knows? I don't know. We, we don't come up here and ask for cars or whatever. See, God knows your need even before you ask. But it's a day-long, 24-hour, intimate relationship with God. It's not say to God, well, I met you at 7.30 this morning, and I talked to you till quarter to eight, and I'll see you maybe Friday, and off you go. Jesus, as he walked along, as you jog, as you're on your exercise bike, notice I'm pushing exercise now, and as you're doing whatever, as you're ironing, instead of popping the TV on, instead of what, as you're cooking, pay attention to the recipe, but then pray, and just let God speak to you, and this is what was happening. Well, what was happening with the 12 disciples? What were they doing? Well, the verses before this, Jesus says this, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die. But the scriptures just before this that we read last week say this. But the disciples didn't understand what he meant. 
and they were afraid to ask. So the disciples, as they had left that teaching of Jesus, should have been saying to themselves, what do you think he meant by going to the cross and dying? We need to understand that. But they weren't discussing that at all. Look at verse 34. It said when Jesus asked them what they were arguing about, it says this, they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Well, the real dummies, please stand up. You see, the disciples still had in their mind that Jesus was going to set up this earthly kingdom. It was going to be here. And Mark tells us, as Jesus is walking and talking about the cross to himself, here's these 12 disciples, they're arguing about themselves, who's going to be the kingpin in this kingdom that God sets up. In fact, the book of Luke tells us that Jesus knew what they were thinking, but he wanted to hear them say what they were thinking. Now, their thoughts were in terms of power and fame and wealth and rank and position and status. Now, notice when Jesus asks them what they're talking about, they don't respond. Why? They're embarrassed. Have you ever been embarrassed by something prideful that you've ever said and you wish it had never come out of your mouth? I remember at a men's conference one, 1,200 guys, I said something so prideful. And the minute it came out, I went, oh. Now, a few people caught it. Some didn't, but I caught it. I was sick about it. Will a real dummy stand up? That was me. So the disciples are totally embarrassed. Don't, don't look at me out like there. Do you ever say anything dumb? Some are like that. Wow, I never do that at all. How many times we are like these disciples? We're slow learners. We don't get it. And to try to push our case, we promote ourselves or whatever we're involved in. We have to admit we're with these 12 slow learners. It's amazing to me that Jesus is headed to the cross. They're talking about who's going to be the greatest. And yet Jesus doesn't slam them. What would you have done if you were Jesus when you heard what they were talking about? They're not concerned about him at all. They're totally concerned about who's going to get number one pin in the kingdom. I probably wouldn't have been gentle, but Jesus was. Aren't you glad he's gentle with us when we blow it, when the real dummy stands up? So Jesus says in verse 35, and this is our first point for you this morning, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that, to walk humbly with God without pride. We talked to you last week about taking time to walk with God. Today, I want to give you an example how to walk with God. So walk humbly with God without pride. Look at verse 35. And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anybody wants to be first, he must be the very, what? Say it loud. Last. Well, that goes a little against. You think the disciples went, oh good, I knew that's what I was listening for. Jesus wanting to make a great impression on him, and when a teacher in the New Testament wanted to do that, they would sit down and they would gather the disciples around them. Now, I'm not going to sit down this morning, but in essence, I am sitting down. So just gather around at the feet of Jesus. What is he saying? Jesus says this, nothing wrong with ambition. It's good to want to strive for things. That's how we get ahead in this life. It's better than being a, you know, a log just sitting there, not happening. Just the old bump on the log. It's good to have ambition. But he said, the problem is 
Your definition of greatness is incorrect. It needs to be redefined. I'm going to define for you what greatness means. Now, in the world, they were thinking of what greatness meant. And Jesus is basically saying to them, what you'll see on the overhead, you can't measure your life by the world's standards. There's a whole different understanding of what greatness is in the kingdom of God than the kingdom of Satan. So in the world, we know what it is. We work it. If you, you're at a job or you're in a home or you, you watch sports or whatever, we're looking for the best, the greatest. In the, in the world, greatness is measured by power, by position, by rank, by wealth, by status, by possessions, even by intelligence. You say, well, I don't measure people that way. Yes, we do. When you look at somebody, you know, we look at them, and in the service, what rank are you? Oh, you're a private, huh? When we talk about wealth, how much money you have, what subdivision do you live in, what kind of a car do you drive? We think of all of these things. In fact, what did you get on your latest college exam test? How high was your IQ? How many possessions do you have? Does your home have a swimming pool? How big is it? It's not screened in? How many bedrooms do you have? And we rank our worth by many of these things. Now, that shouldn't surprise you. The disciples did the same. And we today fall into the same trap. Peter, why would he thought he would have been the greatest? I mean, come back to the road where they were walking. What do you think Peter said? I bet you Peter said this. I'm the greatest. You can hear Peter saying it, can't you? Why would he say it? Here's what he would have said. Have any of you walked on water? I'm the guy. I'm the greatest. Yeah, but you failed, Peter. Yeah, but I walked. John probably said this. That's all right, Peter, but I'm the greatest. Because when Jesus wants comfort, he calls his closest disciple. That's me. Anybody else here lay your head on Jesus? No, that's me. Peter, forget it. I'm the greatest. And that arguing, that jockeying for position was going back and forth. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? I believe there's another person that spoke up. His name was Judas. He said, you guys are all wrong. I'm the greatest. Why? Because I handle the bucks, the money. You know, Jesus trusts me with the money. I'm the greatest. So it shouldn't surprise you. This is what they were doing, jockeying back and forth. But Jesus says to them, wait a minute. Your definition of what great means is not my definition. The kingdom of God, there's something very different. And he says, let's look at it again. If anyone wants to be first, he has to be what? Last. So greatness is determined by putting your desires last. He says to his disciples, guys, you want to be first. If you really want to be first, you have to put your desires last. Do we ever see that at a church supper? <laughs> they wait for the ringing of the bell so they can be what in line? Because when they get to the end, there's three olives, a pickle, and an old brownie. They've been there before. They want to be first. Well, Jesus says you want to be great, get to the end of the line. Get to the end of the line. Now, what does this mean? Here's what it means. We have this term greatness that we work with every day. We struggle with it in our places of work. The churches struggle with it. We'll talk about that more later. Our schools our education, our sports. All of it is the world's definition of greatness. So in the morning, 
as you're having your devotions, we said to you last week something very important, that thinking precedes action. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you start the day reading the Word of God, your definition of greatness will be God's definition of greatness. Do you get it? In other words, you'll be thinking that way. And that will affect the way you act that day. Now, if you do not, with any kind of consistency, study the Word of God for yourself. If the only time you're in the Word is here this morning, I'm glad you're here. It's wonderful. But you need to be in the Word of God for yourself. You need to hear from God yourself. If you don't do this, then you will go to work or school or your place of wherever you're at in the home, even in the neighborhood. And you will think greatness in terms of status and position and money. You'll go and somebody will be after your job and you go, man, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you before you get me. I'm not going to allow that to happen. But Jesus says, do unto others as you want done to you. Well, wait a minute, that's different. That's all right. Let him be first. Because if you're last, that means you're first in the kingdom. Well, I don't think I like that. Doesn't matter whether you like it or not. That's the way the kingdom works. So see, if you're in the word, it will change your thinking and then your actions will change. And that's why so many so-called Christians are not really authentic Christians because their thinking is not based on the word of God, but on their sexual and their normal day activity. When you walk out of the house, what happens to a man and a woman's mind? Sexuality can come in very easily. Carnality can come in very easy. What does the word do to that? It balances back over here. It says if a man even looks at a woman with lust, whoops, changes it. And the same thing with all of the other sins that are so prevalent in our society today. It will change your way of living if you get in the word of God. So Jesus says, wait a minute. There's a difference in the kingdom of God with greatness. Now here's a statement you'll see on the overhead, and you need to think about it for a moment. It says this, the greatest sin in the kingdom of God is pride. The greatest sin in the kingdom of God is pride. Now what do you mean by that? Well, the reason there's another kingdom, the kingdom of Satan, is because at one time Satan, who was a beautiful angel in heaven, said to himself, I can do a better job at running the universe than God. That's pride. I can do a better job. And so from that prideful thought came the sinful world that you and I live in this morning. Pride is defined as this. I want my own way. Pride is defined as I am better than others. Now you might not say that to them, but you think it. And pride is really defined as this, independence from God. You see, Satan said this, I can live separate from God, I can do better from God, I can live independent from God. That's very prideful. And so God said, fine, you want to try it? You will try it for all eternity. You will live independent from me, separate from me. You will be cast into the lake of fire at the end of time. And you will live separated from me. And that's what happens when you and I begin to think the same way. And when this independence comes, the next thing that comes from this prideful thinking is the sin of rebellion. And so Satan rebelled. And you remember he came right down to earth and he began to challenge who? Adam and Eve to do what? To live independent 
from God. Prideful. Eve, you can be like God. Pride, the greatest sin. And then when we have this pride issue, we move past the pride issue, we move past the area of rebellion, and we move right into the area where we're unteachable. Don't talk to me about pride. I'm not prideful this morning. Yes, we are prideful. We're all prideful. We all fight pride. I don't believe it. Well, it's because you're not truthful with yourself. How many of us fight pride? Come on, let's see. The rest of you are too proud to raise your hand. You're lying already. <laughs> it's true. We all fight it. I mean, we're, if you think about it, we, we just think too much of ourselves. And God hates this pride. So we have this rebellion. Then we have this jealousy and envy of other people. And then we have judgmental attitudes. So this cascade starts with pride and it just affects our whole lives. You see, when I look at other people, I just think I'm better than they are. That's my natural self. That's there. It's the same self you have in you. After all, when you go buy a mirror, what do you do? And you look to see, am I looking pretty cool today? What happened here? And we put a lot of looks and a lot of emphasis on my looks. If you ever get a group picture done, when you have the group picture done, you're not looking for everybody else. You're going right in for me. Do I look like an idiot in this picture? Or how do I look? You go right to you. So what we find in our world today is men and women are filled with pride, so are Christians. And one of the disasters, I believe, in our world today, in our religious world, is this. We've substituted the power of God for psychology. We have all these self-help books. And here's what they say. You need to have a better opinion of yourself. You need to have a self-esteem. You need to love yourself more. You don't need to love yourself more. You love yourself too much already. Is that true or is that true? Certainly it's true. So God says, don't love yourself. What's he say? Hate yourself. Deny yourself. And pride says, I'm better. I'm better than you. So you don't want that. We need less of self-help and more of God help. Don't sit there and try to build up your self-esteem. The only reason you have any esteem at all is because Jesus Christ loved you. That's where my esteem comes from, because Jesus Christ died for me. That makes me worth something. In myself, I'm nothing. I'm useless. I'm no good. So don't get caught up in... It's a shame that our Christian bookstores are filled with the self-help jazz. You don't need self-help, you need God's help. So what we find here, this pride moves. See, God hates pride. He hates pride. Why? Pride is independence from God. God wants me and God to walk together all day long. Me depending on Him. Me understanding that that's where my source of power comes from. Pride says, God, you stay there in the background. I'm going to live my life my way. I'll make my own decisions, I'll do what I want, I can live without you. Now when I get in trouble, if the kid gets sick, or there's a call, my wife is in the hospital, and there's some, there's a negative test there, if we get in a car accident, we're about to lose our home, hey God, come over here, would you? Because I'd like to talk with you, I need you now. God hates pride. Because pride says, you can live your life independent from God. And that's why he hates it. Listen to what he says, and we don't have time to go through the verses, but I'll just tell them to you. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs eleven two 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs thirteen ten says, pride only breeds quarrels. And what were the disciples doing? Quarreling. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. And lastly, you know this one if you've been in church at all in your life, Proverbs sixteen eighteen: Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit 
before a fall. So Jesus says to his disciples, you need an attitude adjustment, not the one you get at 5 o'clock at your local bar or whatever. He says, you need an attitude adjustment, and it's going to come from my teaching. These ambitions, these selfish feelings that are part of you, you've mistaken your identity. You think you're important. You're not really important. So if the greatest sin in the kingdom of God is pride, the greatest virtue in the kingdom of God is humility. In the kingdom of God, who rules? God rules. So humility says that God has a claim on my life. Humility says this, every person is equal. There's nobody better than anybody else. That's best proved in the world. Let me give you an example. We take a lot of pride in our looks and how important we think they are. And I like to dress well and look good and whatever, but really, we're all equal. The Bible tells that. The greatest example of that is to go to the hospital and have a test. And they take your clothes off and they give you one of these little gowns. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And you put this sucker on and all your humility and pride is showing. It's back here. <laughs> and this little thing is always open, isn't it? And you think everything's good and you're trotting down. I've been there many years. You're trotting down the hall and man, they're just bouncing back there and wide out in the open. And you're prideful because your hair's right, but my friend. <laughs> when God made us, he made us all alike and kind of back there, we're all alike. I remember laying on the table, getting ready to have surgery. When you lay on the table, totally naked, your pride's gone. Because we're all alike. In the world, we can joke about that, but we're filled with pride. And God hates it. We'll talk in a moment how pride has come into the church. It's something that you don't deal with today and never have to deal with it again. We always have to deal with pride. Now, spiritually, here's what happens. When you come to the cross of Jesus Christ... We all come the same way. You see, we're born sinners. The scripture says, how many have sinned? All. So when I come to the cross, I can't say, well, I'm not like these other people. Remember the man on the corner praying? Well, God, I'm glad I'm not like that man over there. No, God, help me. I'm a sinner. When you came to the cross of Jesus Christ, we came the same way. And here's the point. The ground at the cross is level. And if you came to Jesus Christ this morning, if you've ever accepted him as personally as your Lord and Savior, then you came on level ground. And that makes us from that point on all equal. We were equal before, we just didn't realize it. Now on this side of the cross, what I am? I'm a sinner saved by grace. Same as you. I didn't earn it. I couldn't earn it. I could never be good enough to get there. The only reason I'm on this side of the cross is because of God's grace. And that's why you are equal. So the Bible says there's no male, no female, no black, no white, no Jew, Gentile, no man, woman. What? We're all equal. You say, well, I look better. No, you don't. Not to God. So Jesus says, hey, when you come to the cross, you're equal. So why be prideful? You can't be prideful. God says this. Turn quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, real quickly. When Jesus came to live in this world, he took off his robes of royalty and he came to earth as a man. We learn today that it's God who's doing a work in us. It's not a result of our own efforts. He's the one who deserves all the glory and all the praise. We're willing bondservants at best, but it's He who empowers us to serve. He's blessed us with skills and talents that we can use to bring Him glory. 
but we need to be careful to watch our motives. Everything needs to be done as unto Him. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark will warn us about pride. He'll share with us that when we become proud in the works of our own hands, we're taking God out of the equation. We're not giving credit where credit is due. We have to remember that it's God who gifts us and enables us to do what's right. It's not a work of our flesh. It's not of our own strength. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.